That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. Poach, not as in your egg. Poach as in when you go after people, employees working for another company, trying to get them to work for your company. We're going poaching. I'm looking for a GM. I'm going to poach somebody's VP of player personnel. Companies poaching each other. No, that's not how that works. It's individuals. But now we're thinking about poaching when it comes to universities, a concept that has not ever occurred to me. And maybe it's happened previously, but all of the talk in college football is that there are conferences poaching teams from other conferences. I'm picturing in Africa, in the Serengeti, listening to Toto and watching the animals all get in line in the pecking order of who eats what, when, and where. I'm thinking about the horrific hunters who poach elephants for their ivory. And then I'm picturing in a back boardroom, Tony Petiti, someone who I worked with at Major League Baseball for many, many years. He's now the commissioner of the Big Ten, sitting in a conference room, putting his fingers together, looking around at all of the big game on the horizon and saying, hmm, who can I poach now? This is a big deal, folks. The Pac-12 is a wounded animal. They're the Pac-9 now. I'm gonna make a resolution. I'm gonna make a motion. Here's the motion, Coker, you're the only one who can second it because there's no one else here. I'm talking to an empty room again. My resolution and my motion is this, that every conference in college football should have the name of the number of teams in the conference. I am tired of being misled. I don't wanna call the Big 10 the Big 10 if there's more than 10 teams. How many teams are in the Big 12? It would make sense that there'd be 12. The Pac-12 doesn't have 12, it has nine. It may go down to eight, it may go down to six. It may disappear altogether. Do I have a second? Hello? Anybody? Anybody? Wouldn't it be great? Hey, the Pac-4 is playing against the ACC 19. Look out for the big 14. So why is this happening? Conferences in the middle of historic changes. NCAA in danger of becoming extinct. Lesser programs, lesser sports in danger of disappearing. We are at a crossroads in college sports. The beginning, when you've been driving through the desert and you're waiting for the next town, hoping you don't run out of gas and you see the first sign of life. Hey, the red light is on. We've got a shot. My range is three miles. It would never happen to me. But look what I see right here. I see NIL. That's the beginning of the village where there's gonna be a gas station. NIL started 
and we saw the beginning of NIL. It's been going on for years. Let's pay players. Let's make them employees. No, let's not do that. Let's let them unionize. Nope, let's not do that. Let's get them money from criminals. Oh, let's do that if we're in Miami. Then you continue down the road and you start having what we predicted, which is complete free agency for college players, which is what it is. Transfer portals go from here to there to everywhere for money. Then you've got schools trying to figure out how do we maintain our competitive financial advantage when we were able to offer things under the table. Now we could offer them over the table with NIL. We've got all of this media money, but we're sharing it with a bunch of people whose water we're carrying and we're tired of doing it. So all of these issues exist in the valley of college conference sports and understanding the machinations of where this ends, let's take a look at it through the lens of the Big 10 or the Big 12 or the Big 14, whatever the hell they're called, or however many teams they have. Tony Patini's in the room and saying, we have a chance. We can poach teams from the Pac-9 because they're crumbling. It's like they're flying overseas and they've passed the point of no return. There is no recovering for the Pac-12. Oh, they got a media deal with Apple, hip, hip, hooray, streaming deal, not getting paid a whole lot, but we're good now. No. Well, wait, we made a deal we're not gonna poach. We're gonna play fair. We're all gonna be gentlemen of Verona. Not anymore. Those days are over. Tony Petiti said that in the last week, they've stepped up their diligence. That's really funny stepped up the diligence in a week for Washington and Oregon. Due diligence for bringing a team into your conference involves talking to the other teams in the conference. It involves understanding what your media rights are, what they're going to be, what the split's gonna be, what the distributions are gonna be, and what you're offering to a team to rescue them from the dying pack nine. Maybe they're going and touring the dormitories looking at the financials of the school. GMAB, the diligence of what these conferences are doing as they have now decided that poaching is going to be acceptable. It is a race to figure out who's gonna get a chair in the surviving conferences. And schools who are being poached are panicked that the music will stop. They'll look around and say, holy shnikes. We've got no one in our conference. We have no revenue whatsoever, and we are screwed. We're gonna go out of business. Hi, my name is John, and I'm from the men's volleyball team, and I'm just curious, are we still, uh, are we okay? Well, thanks for coming in, John. As a matter of fact, look around at our conference. There's nobody subsidizing us anymore. We have no money and we're not gonna get rid of our major programs. So here's Wilson, good luck in your intramural sport. Folks, this is real. You are gonna see as the car passes NIL, enters into the town, if I can keep this going, you are gonna see a situation where you're gonna look at carcasses to the left and right of the road and those carcasses are sports that your children may play. Your, the carcasses around are the schools that are left when the game of musical chairs ends. When you wanna poach a team and you go and you say, listen, we will offer you safe haven. Who's got the leverage? 
when somebody's trying to get free and you say, we're happy to offer you your freedom, but here are the conditions. You're not gonna get a full revenue share. Okay, sir, that's no problem. Anything else? You're not gonna travel first class. No problem, that's okay. You're not gonna have the benefit of a perfect schedule. No problem, that's okay. We're not gonna promote you the way we do our incumbents. No problem, that's okay. Hold on, says USC and UCLA. Tony, when we joined the Big 10, we wanted to be the only teams from the West Coast. It was gonna help us with recruiting. It was gonna help differentiate us. Now you wanna take Washington and Oregon? Now all of a sudden we're just merging. There's an entire West Coast contingent. Hold on, I'm doing my diligence. Dear USC and UCLA, I promise you that Washington and Oregon will not have full revenue shares. We're gonna make sure that they're the ugly stepchildren for a moment, but then when we go get a new TV deal, I assure you, you're gonna be happy that they're with us. So what teams have to do when they're being poached is decide what their level of desperation is. Imagine if you had a benefactor, a famous alum during the pre-show and Coke and I were preparing for this show last night, this morning, all day long. It's all we do. Coke, I think I speak to you more than I speak to anyone in my life. Phil Knight from the uh, movie Air with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. You may know him also as the founder of Nike, but let's not quibble. Big Oregon guy, you know that. Huge, huge, huge booster, huge benefactor. Do you not see a world where teams that are looking around and seeing the writing on the wall go to their benefactors and say, we appreciate the NIL money, we appreciate getting players paid, but we have a real problem here at the university level. We are in danger. We need your money to bolster our entire sports program, to save our sports program. Don't be micro and focus on players, be macro and focus on your alma mater. Do you want your alma mater to disappear into the ether of the college conference carcass, triple C? There are clear scenarios where if you're the president of a university like Oregon, you'd be meeting not just with Tony Petiti, you'd be meeting with Phil Knight and figuring out how to make your finances work. And then you have a price. Now, when you're searching for safe haven, you lose the leverage. The PAC-9 is still the PAC-9. They are going out there publicly saying, we're good. Don't you try to poach us. And if you're going to, then you better pay us. Meanwhile, internally, they're saying, we are desperate. We can't show it. Publicly, outward facing, we have to be strong. We have to be confident. We have to be Samson-like. But what's really going on is pure panic. So at the end of the day, you are gonna see realignment, not just an MLB, we're talking about college. You're gonna see conference consolidation. You're gonna see the end of the reign of the NCAA. You are gonna see what was talked about over in Europe in football, in soccer. I never remember what we say. Do we say soccer or football? I think we say soccer even though it's their football when the Super League was presented and then disappeared because they didn't roll it out correctly. The concept of Super League, Super Conferences, 
what you think exists now, it's nothing compared to what's gonna happen in the next five years. There are schools that are spending so much time not worried about educating their students, not figuring out how to endow chairs in the English department. Forget the fact that they're only focused on STEM. English? We don't care if people can't speak no English. You've got university presidents sitting with boards of directors and they are focused on sports and what conference they're gonna be in because that's where the money is. Did you see what FSU did yesterday? Their president, Richard McCullough, met with his board of trustees and actually said to them, they've got to consider leaving the ACC unless there is a radical change to the conference's revenue distribution model. Code word, we don't wanna share revenue with the people who are not bringing the revenue. We want an oversized share because we're not able to compete because the ACC as a conference is not able to compete with the super conferences. And we are one step away from being eaten up. When conferences do TV deals, part of what happens is you give up the right to do anything on your own to leave the conference. You pay a big price to get a lot of money. It's one of the ways that networks will pay that amount of money because they know they've got the content. Imagine if a Network, like an ESPN, did a deal with a conference like the ACC, assuming there'd be teams. You've got a certain number of games, a certain number of markets. You make all the math work. You wake up on a Tuesday morning and say, where did everybody go? It's like when you party a little too much and it's a full house. Everyone's having a great time. You open your eyes and it looks like a day after a Wolf of Wall Street bachelor party. There's just bodies thrown everywhere, people stepping over naked bodies and drinking alcohol or looking in a cup or like the hangover. That's what this is like. And FSU doesn't wanna be in that position. So they said, the president said, we've gotta do something. Who do you think he was talking to? Do you think he was talking to his board of trustees? Of course not. When there are quotes released by the president of the university, and then they are buttressed by quotes by members of the board themselves, which is what happened with FSU. You think they're talking to the students? You think they're talking to the ACC? No, they're talking to the other conferences. They're letting it be known. You wanna do some diligence? My name is FSU, and I'm here to tell you that we are available. We are ready. Of course, we're gonna say our goal continues to be to stay with the ACC. He's lying. They are trying to figure out what conference realignment is going to look like. They are trying to be ahead because if you're not ahead, you're behind. So all of the resources that are being spent right now by these universities are on how to maintain their financial advantage and how to continue to finance their sports teams and how to keep their sports teams competitive so they can finance their lesser sports teams and then way down, way below the surface where no one will admit they'd love to finance some academics too. But shh, we won't talk about that too much. When you talk to the media, it is so important to have a plan. If there's one thing we've learned in 900 
plus, what are we at, 986 total episodes or 987 episodes, nothing personal, approaching 1,000. This is the 859th regular episode where we have a word of the day and a wait to see. If you've learned nothing else, I hope that you've learned that when the red light goes on and the microphone is in front and you're looking into the camera, you best have a plan and you best stick to that plan because otherwise you're going to be on the show. Our first show back on Tuesday was about the deadline. And we talked about the Mets. We talked about Steve Cohn. We talked about Steve Cohn going to Kansas City. We had some fun with him getting on his John Denver, leaving on a jet plane, landing, running to the game. Do I stay or do I go? The clash. And we didn't know what happened. There were no leaks. There were no pictures until last night. That's when Steve Cohn was at the game. That's when Steve Cohn met the media. I don't often show video on the show. Many of you listen to the show. Many of you watch the show. We appreciate your loyalty, obviously. But this 41 second clip of Steve Cohn is the jumping off point to one of the great three minutes of this show's history. And I know I'm really selling it, but wait till you watch this clip. I think the expectations were really high this year. And my guess is next year will be a lot lower. But I, you know, I can't speak to what's, you know, what's gonna happen in the off season. I mean, there may be opportunity. I'm opportunistic, okay? I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't wanna roll a team out there that we're gonna be embarrassed by. But, say, you know, I, but we also know that you know, spending a fortune, you know, everyone says I spent a lot of money, and other teams did too, doesn't guarantee you uh, a trip to the playoffs. I'm not as negative, okay? I mean, it, it won't be a, as, as star-studded team as it was, but, uh, you know, you know star, stars don't necessarily make, make for wins. And, but I think we're going to be highly competitive. Uh-oh. Stars don't make for wins. Can we talk about the Mets roster? Does that mean that Steve Cohen's plan going into this season when he signed Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, he's got Pete Alonso. Oh, wait a minute, he signed Francisco Lindor. Don't forget, he gave Nimmo a ton of money as well. Is he saying that he shouldn't have signed those stars because stars don't lead to winning? Or did he have the epiphany once those stars didn't lead for winning? Maybe he's got the wrong stars. He actually said to a scrum of reporters that stars don't lead to winning. It's a dream come true for Major League Baseball. The Players Union looked at that clip and said, oh no, did we lose Cone too? He was our savior. He was the one that was gonna spend hand over fist with reckless indifference toward whether or not it would even matter. And now after one year, well, it's been three unsuccessful years, though we won 100 games and almost won the division last year, but now he's saying stars don't lead to wins but he's got a team full of stars. I guess he's not gonna go after any more stars. I guess he's not gonna re-sign Pete Alonso. Why would you have several $30 million players? Oh, here's why. Here's part of the clip that you didn't see when Steve Cohn must have looked to his PR guy and said, hey, just cause I pay him 30 or 40 million doesn't mean they're stars. Hey, Billy, sorry, you're gonna have to report to David Stearns next year. And in the beginning of that clip, he's telling you that what was told to Max Scherzer 
was what was told to Max Scherzer. That they're not all in in 2024. We've talked about what all in means. I don't have an answer. I don't like that word, never use that word. Never say never. There may be a quote out there that one of you internet sleuths may find, may have done it to spin something. All in, does that mean you can't get better at any position? You've got all the best pitchers starting in bullpen, all the best position players, the best bench. We're all in. All the chips are on the table. Your payroll's 315, that's all in. There's no cap. Why can't it be 317? Why can't you go get another middle reliever, make it 319? Don't ever say to uh, your fan base, hey, we're all in, or we're not all in. We are gonna put the best team on the field that we can at a payroll that is not reasonable. That's what Steve Cohen's been doing, except the team has not been good. But then he wants you to believe that he doesn't wanna be embarrassed next year. Is he talking about the Oakland A's or is he talking about the San Diego Padres who are now only a game below 500? Or better yet, is he talking about himself? When he walks into an owner's meeting and he's got the number one payroll, paying a luxury tax higher than the A's, paying players not to play for him more than he's paying players to play for him, goes to sit in the owner's meeting and says, hey, will you pass the sugar? Get out of here, Steve. I'm not passing you anything. Come get it yourself. Hi, do you want to have dinner together? Absolutely not. Maybe that's what he's talking about, about not wanting to be embarrassed. Because when you've got a payroll of $350 million, my view is that's not embarrassing at all. If you misspend it, it just means you've got bad baseball people. But don't worry, in the same press scrum, Steve Cohn said, okay, I'm the owner, okay? Final decisions are me, of course, I'm the owner, okay? He's not unique in that way. All 30 owners are the same. So is he embarrassed at his lack of ability to know when to listen to Billy and when not to? Or did he listen to not Billy, but he has some other advisors from his hedge fund telling him, hey, this guy's been really good in my fantasy league. Let's bring him on over. Maybe that's what was embarrassing him, okay? If you're a Mets fan, you should have plenty of questions right now after that press little press avail by Steve Cohn. I guess you're gonna say his payroll's going down, okay? I guess maybe you're gonna say that instead of having 350, it'll be 300, 299. They'll be competitive because he doesn't wanna be embarrassed, but they're not all in, but yet they've got baby Mets coming? What? What's the plan? It's three to five years, we're gonna win a World Series or it'll be a disappointment. No, that's not the plan anymore. What's the new plan? The new plan is we're gonna be fiscally responsible and have a team on the field commensurate with our revenues. That's a good plan, he didn't say it. Ah, I've got a good plan. Let's put a casino where the chop shops are. Now we're talking about a plan. I'm sorry, Mets fans. I just have nothing to say other than oy vey. All right, when we come back, we're gonna review a movie and we're gonna see what Luke Grimes is doing post Yellowstone. And then we're gonna talk about something that happened with the Yankees yesterday that is a pretty serious situation with one of their pitchers. And I know we're gonna to get to the contest winner from yesterday, davidsampsonpodcast.com. We will be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. We are live every day, Matthew Coca and I, 8 a.m., 45 minutes talking about sports, culture, entertainment, politics, giving you insight into what's happening behind the scenes in the world of sports and in the world of business. And we appreciate your time. Please download, subscribe, do all the things that add to the metrics that make people when they look at Coca say, wow, you're underpaid. We just launched a website called davidsampsonpodcast.com. There's a merch store. Have fun on the website. You'll see all of our latest clips. You will see links that get you everywhere relating to nothing personal, and you will see items that you can proudly wear that you support nothing personal, and there will be more items added. There's now women's V-neck. That was an issue. We released without a women's shirt, and I apologize to all of the women. It is now only 16.9%. We are trying to see what we can do about those numbers. I'm more of a 50-50 guy. Before I get to my review, I would remiss if I let this day pass. It is August 3rd, and I remember very well doing a show two years ago today. And uh, two years ago today, my sister passed away, and I wanted to mention that, of course, we will never forget you, Nancy. Think about you every day. Miss your phone calls about the show. Miss your phone calls about our family talking about all the craziness, the drama, the things that are going on. I miss you having as a barrier to deal with all the things and the issues in all of our extended family. And I can only say that your kids and uh, husband are doing well and uh, we miss and love you. Okay. I just said, okay, like Steve Cohn says, okay. Why would I do that? But I didn't do it like, okay. Like, here's, here's who I am, okay? I just did it, okay, let me breathe. Coco will tell me after the show, here's a note, David. Instead of saying, okay, just let it breathe. Let the moment breathe. So I'm gonna try that again. Four, eight, 69. We miss and love you, Nancy, thinking about you today and every day. Still watching a movie every day. Yes, I am. I am the provider of lists of content for so many people in my life that it makes me smile. Whether you are on maternity leave, whether you are in the hospital with a broken leg or whether you hurt your knee and can't run, whether you're going on a long flight, I get texts all the time. Hey, what should I be watching? Send me your list. Good thing I keep track. I watched a movie called Happiness for Beginners. I was attracted to that movie because that's me. 
I am a beginner in the happiness world. Not that I've never been happy. That's not true. I always want to be happy. As a matter of fact, there are people who would argue that hedonism has been my North Star for many, many decades. This is a movie starring Ellie Kemper and Luke Grimes. Luke Grimes is the guy from Yellowstone and from American Sniper. Ellie Kemper from The Office. And this movie, don't watch the trailer because you look at the two minutes and 27 seconds and you'll say, wow, this is pretty formulaic and ridiculous. A woman gets divorced. A woman goes on a hiking trip to find herself, to be uncomfortable. She's never been hiking. So she has the normal things that happen when you're hiking, blisters and this and that and bugs and animals and yada, yada, yada. And oh my God, there's a really good looking guy on the hiking trip. And wouldn't you know it, where have you been my whole life? I've been divorced for a second and a half. You're pretty hot. I love you. Let's see if we can kiss and then no, wait a minute, that's a mosquito. That's what you'll think the movie's about. Then you'll watch the movie and you'll say, hmm, that's exactly what the movie was about, except the journey to the end of the predictable rainbow is fantastic. I am okay with a movie that is predictable. If I am intrigued and interested, I can know how it ends. When I watch a movie that's based on a true story, I know how it ends, but I'm interested in the journey. The journey in happiness for beginners is fantastic. The cinematography, it was filmed in Stanford, Connecticut, which is a gorgeous place. Shout out to all of my fellow CBS people out in Stanford. You are living in a beautiful part of the country. I'm gonna say watch the movie. It's short, it's worth it. It's got people you recognize. Luke Grimes will not be competing for an Oscar. Ellie Kemper will make you smile. Their cohesiveness will make you blush. Happiness for beginners. Do you know who's not happy right now? Transition alert, Brian Cashman. Not just because he listened to nothing personal the last couple of days in the last couple of years, not because his team got a win yesterday, which screwed the pooch of my pick of the day. His lack of happiness is based on an announcement he had to make. I never liked getting the phone call when we had an issue with our player off the field. And I got plenty of those phone calls, whether it was DUI related or sometimes even worse, domestic violence related, sometimes even worse, massage related, sometimes even worse, whatever the case may be. You don't want your phone to ring with issues like that. Brian Cashman's phone rang and we should have known something was happening. Do you remember Monday, a very weird thing happened? Domingo Herman was supposed to be starting and then he didn't start because something happened. And then all of a sudden he came into the game and pitched five innings. It was as though he was being punished. Like when you don't start a basketball player, you make them come off the bench and then they come off the bench and still play the same 38 minutes they were gonna play. But we really showed you Hey, you were gonna start, but we'll show you we're only gonna let you pitch five innings. They're gonna say it was based on some sort of injury or based on some sort of discipline, whatever they're gonna say, none of that matters given what happened yesterday. Domingo Herman, that's the same Yankee who just pitched the perfect game. If we could call back to that episode, Coca, and have that video right now, can we do that? No, probably not. Maybe once we're in the studio in, with Metal Arc, we could. Pull up an immediate archive when we said the Yankees are despondent that Domingo Herman is in the same breath as the other perfect game. 
David Cohn's perfect game, the no-hitters in Yankees history, the company, Don Larson, the company, Don Larson, David Cohn, Domingo, Herman. They were miserable before that happened. He's the same guy who was suspended for domestic violence already. He has now been put on the restricted list by the Yankees. And it turns out that it's alcohol abuse related. He is going into a program, a treatment program. Brian Cashman said it's a recent situation that emerged. Acute where he felt the player and the player's immediate family were in danger. This is not the first time that a player has gone into a treatment program during a season. However, when you place a player on the restricted list, that means you don't pay him. Let's start with that. There are ways that you can put a player on the injured list. I believe, what's the team, Coca? Oh, for Christ's sake, I forgot to ask you this. His name is Austin Meadows. And he was put on the injured list, I believe. He used to play for the Rays, and I believe he was traded. He, he came up and made this big splash. Then he got traded. Then he was put on the IL for mental health issues and anxiety. I cannot remember what team. But on the IL, you are still being paid. The Tigers, thank you. The restricted list, you are not. Teams have a choice. They deal with the union, they deal with the commissioner's office before that decision is made. Cashman is not willing to provide details other than to say, I'm worried right now for the person and the immediate family. What could have happened? Come to the ballpark drunk, seen it. That doesn't cause a restricted list. Is it possibly came to the ballpark in yesterday's, last night's close, seen it, that's not restricted list. Did he show up late? For his start, maybe he couldn't possibly start because he didn't have enough prep time. Seen it, that's not enough to go into program. When you say that you are worried right now for the person's health and his immediate family, does that not ring a bell, especially with someone who has a prior? Is there not a situation that they must have become aware of where there was a danger, a clear and present Tom Clancy-like danger? The New York Yankees have no choice. Major League Baseball has no choice but to deal with this. They want to get as far away from Domingo Herman as possible. They want to provide him help so they can say they do that. And they want nothing to do with him. They are not going to speak about Domingo Herman. They're not going to provide updates like you do with an injured player. Hey, he threw from 60 feet. He threw for seven minutes off the mound. Hey, he's taking batting practice off a tee. Look, he's at step three. No, it doesn't work that way. You will not get any updates. The Yankees will tourniquet this story right now. MLB will wait for an opportune time to decide whether or not there's been another violation of the domestic violence policy. And I'm purely speculating. I have no idea, but when you say there's a danger to an immediate family, this is what I think about. Maybe if someone has a drinking problem, the danger is he's driving them. But if you have a drinking problem and there's danger, my view is there's violence. The result of this is the end of Domingo Herman's career in New York. He's still eligible for arbitration, but that is not what is going to happen with him. 
Cashman ended his statement by saying, hopefully the steps that are being taken today will benefit him for the remaining part of his life. Interesting. Not so he can resume his career. Not so he can help us win down the stretch. They announced immediately, restricted and done for the year. The year is two months. We're not at September 15th. John Morant went away for eight days and cured himself. There's more going on here. You're gonna hear more. There's only one thing that I know for certain. Wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it does, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't, I'll let you know that too. Domingo Herman has played his last game as a New York Yankee. Wait to see. Yesterday on the show, we asked you to go to davidsampsonpodcast.com, get into the merch store, place some orders, and that one of you was going to win. Guess what? Many of you did it, but only one winner. If you're listening, randomly chosen, no purchase was necessary. However, you all purchased, so thank you. Keep doing that. Spread the word, send the website out, send the URL out, davidsampsonpodcast.com. Look for new designs. Coke and I were just looking at a, a new design that we're gonna be able, hopefully in the next two weeks to three weeks to give you of a shirt that will certainly make you smile. Scott Schifford, if you're listening, you are a winner. Thank you for your order. Keep going. We'll all keep going. Why wouldn't we? We still have nine minutes left. I'm gonna keep going. Do you remember yesterday's show again, not just with the davidsampsonpodcast.com and the promotion and all the things we're doing. We gave you all the back page stories for the New York Post and the Daily News. The New York Times, the Daily News. If the Rays had beaten the Yankees, it would have been a sweep. Swept away. We had all those different things. Guess what? Didn't happen. The Rays actually had a lead. Their pitcher McClanahan got hurt. That was crazy. Did you see that? He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Left after the fourth inning. Uh, Brian Cashman there, um, strike that. Kevin Cash, Coca, cut that. Two, six, nine. Tampa Bay's manager, Kevin Cash, came out after the game and said, hey, we're okay. He's got injury on the outside of the forum, not the inside of the forum. We think he's gonna be fine, though it's serious. We don't know how long. It's a bunch of malarkey. They've got a real problem with this injury. He's not been performing of late and he was potentially a Cy Young candidate. The Rays did not sweep the Yankees. Garrett Cole did what he was supposed to do. And we are now 105 and 106. We've got a game tonight. Shohei Otani is making his first start for his new team, the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. Thank you for the order, Josh. First start against the Mariners. Hopefully he's comfortable now, Shohei as an angel, as the angels try to give you the one-two punch of Shohei and Lucas Giolito, who only gave up eight runs or nine runs in yesterday's start. So that is a one-two amazing top of the rotation as the angels secure a playoff spot and continue their ride of dominance over the last nine years. Angels over the Mariners. That's the pick of the day. We have spent time talking about gambling on this show. There has been, as you know, a complete embracing 
of gambling by leagues, by everybody. Give the people what they want. People want to gamble. The problem is when athletes gamble, the leagues don't like it. The NFL has bent over to make it clear to us, don't worry about the competitive integrity of our product because any player who gambles, we're going to really take care of them. We're going to suspend them for the year. We'll show them. They've suspended a bunch of players. They just suspended another guy who plays for the Broncos. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a defensive tackle. His name is Ini Uazarike. That's not even the story. The story is that the gambling problem is getting worse, not better with athletes. We are getting closer and closer to third rail situations. The technology that the gambling companies have is so good that please listen to me if you are a college athlete in Iowa or anywhere. Listen to me if you are a pro athlete. Your agents are listening, hopefully you are too. It's not worth it. You're going to get caught. No, no. Don't place a bet through your mother. We'll figure that out. We're not idiots. Don't place a bet with a fake name. You're going to get caught. Don't go off property and say, oh, I'm not violating the rules of the NFL. I'm just going to bet on the other sports and I'm not going to violate the policy because it's a gateway. And eventually you're gonna do what's going on right now in Iowa and in Iowa State with their players. You're gonna bet on your own team. You're gonna go full Pete Rose and then you're gonna get worse. You're gonna bet against your team. Then what? Then we're all screwed. In Iowa, I cannot believe the story that's coming out. There's a criminal probe. I gotta tell you about, forget the fact that their starting quarterback is being implicated, Hunter Deckers. He's being charged with tampering as part of an entire sports betting probe. This is criminal. Don't say it's legal in my state so I can just place a bet. The worst I'm gonna do is get suspended. If you do certain things while you're gambling, you can go to jail. But the one that really got me was the Iowa walk-on kicker. His name is Aaron Blom. He bet the under. He's the kicker. Now, he wasn't doing the kicking that particular day, but the particular game that he bet the under on, would you believe the final score was 21, 27 to 17? That adds up to 44. A kick was missed at the end of the game. What do you think the over-under was? You got it, 45. The kick misses, the under hits. Is it out of the realm of possibility that the walk-on kicker and the kicker are friends? Kickers hang out together. Who the hell else wants to hang out with the kickers? until you go ahead and get yourself a world-class radio show and take over ESPN. That's sort of a way of overcompensating for childhood abandonment issues. Is it possible that the kicker missed the kick on purpose? The fact that we have to ask the question is the problem. This is what leagues are spending, forget the tens of millions of dollars, if not more, on their investigative departments and on working with the companies who are their partners and figuring out how to make sure that the players are being caught because it is not in the best interest of DraftKings, it's not in the best interest of FanDuel, it's not in the best interest of BetMGM, it's not in the best interest of NFL, MLB, anybody 
to have any question about the integrity of the results on the field. It's big business college sports. It's big business in betting. It's big business in broadcast revenue. Can you imagine if a kicker actually misses a kick to purposefully get an under bet paid for by his friend, the walk-on kicker? Who bet under his mother's name? Forgetting the fact that he's underage. That's a crime. What are we going to do? You're going to see things come out over the next year. You are going to see much stiffer penalties, both under the law and under the rules of college and professional sports. You are going to see as part of collective bargain agreements and pro sports that the penalties for gambling are going to be sky high. Because if I am management, I say to the players union, listen, you are screwing with the golden goose here. It's great that everybody's betting on our games. Love the revenue. But if we turn into wrestling, our broadcast numbers are going to decline, our revenue will decline, and your salaries will decline. So let's be super careful what we do here. And if you don't agree to these stiffer penalties, we're gonna leak it. And it's gonna hurt the industry. It's not gonna hurt us, it's gonna hurt you. And the reason I believe that you will see these stiffer penalties and you will see even more rules and more reminders of the rules, the NFL went on an entire road show about all the rules, memos, in-person meetings, baseball does the same thing. It used to be 15 years ago, all we had to do was the day before the first game of the season, our final workout, wherever we were in the big league stadium, whether we were at home or on the road, we would bring our assistant GM in and we'd have to read the gambling rule to the players. The players would fall asleep, they'd throw paper airplanes around. And it was a rule that was had because we didn't want a Pete Rose situation. Guess what? It's not a joke anymore. It's not the AGM reading the gambling rule anymore. These are memos in different languages. These are bullet points of explanations of what you can and cannot do, what you should and shouldn't do what you should never be close to doing. And the reason why you are gonna see these types of crackdowns, it's not because they have anything against Iowa State or Iowa or the Denver Broncos defensive tackle or Pete Rose or anybody else. The reason for it, it's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal. <laughs> Thank you.